Pastor Chris's podcast. God created the universe. That sentence is only four words long. God created the universe. But its brevity is misleading. Consider, if you will, it is over 93 billion light years from one side of the observable universe to the other side. In other words, it would take 93 billion years to drive from one side to the other if you could travel at the speed of light, which is 670,616,629 miles per hour. Now, I don't know, some of you out there might have a lead foot and you like to drive down Cleveland Highway really fast, but I don't think any of you are driving over 670 million miles per hour. But if you were, it would still take you 93 billion years to get from one side of the universe to the other. And the universe is expanding, so uh, it might take you longer tomorrow, so you better get started real quick. And God created the universe and everything in it, including you and me. Furthermore, God created time. You know, um, we make movies like Back to the Future where we fantasize about what it would be like to create a time machine where you could go back in time or you could go forward into the future. And nobody's ever figured out how to do that. Can you even imagine a reality where time does not exist? Where there is no beginning and no end? Where time travel would be irrelevant because time is not a reality? God exists without a beginning, without an end. People sometimes ask me, who created God? God created us. Who created God? And the answer is a bit unsatisfying. No one. No one created God. He is uncreated. He has always existed, and he always will exist. And people say, well, that makes no sense. I know. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't make any sense to the human mind because we are created physical beings bound by time and space. And everything that we've ever experienced exists in time and space. But God is not. And so it boggles our mind. The nature of our infinite God is unfathomable to the human mind and indescribable by our feeble language. The best that we can do is to describe God as a trinity. The trinity literally means a state of three beings. A state of being three. Throughout the Bible we see the Trinitarian nature of God. For example, God visited Abraham in the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verse 1 and 2. He came to tell Abraham he was about to give him a son, even though Abraham was already in an old man and his wife was old too. And in chapter 18 of Genesis, in verses 1 and 2, it says, The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the hottest 
part of the day, and he looked up and he noticed three men standing nearby. That's what it says. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. By the way, the Hebrew word in this verse, verse 1, that is translated as the Lord, in other words, the Lord appeared to Abraham, the word that is used is Yahweh, and it is the eternal name of God. Another example of this Trinitarian language in the Bible is when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He came up out of the water and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and the voice of God from heaven speaks and says, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. So you have God the Father and you have God the Son being baptized and you have God the Holy Spirit descending like a dove out of heaven. And the Trinity boggles the human mind. Because we don't worship three gods, there is only one God. But God is three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now someone is probably going to come up to me after the service and their, or the sermon, they're going to say, Pastor, I have this simple illustration. It's going to clear this all up for everyone. And they will Tell me the illustration. However, every single illustration, every example falls short, breaks down in some way. Water, ice, vapor, apples, skins, seeds, everything. I mean, they're all good. They help us to understand. They teach. But everything falls short in some way. Some of them even misrepresent God in some way. And I appreciate people that, you know, they say, well, the Trinity is so easy to understand. Here's all you got to think about. But think about this. The 12 apostles who walked with Jesus, all of the saints, all of the theologians, all of the smartest scholars who have ever lived for the last 2,000 years have tried to understand and explain the Trinity perfectly, and they've all failed. Do you think you are going to come with some new illustration teaching that is going to solve it for everyone? Probably not. Probably not. It's the nature of the infinite God. It is unexplainable by human lips. All we can do is explain what we do know. And here's what we know. Number one, there is only one God. Number two, is there is the Father. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And number three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are eternally distinct persons. Likewise, the Holy Spirit is not the Son, but both are God. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, but both are God. The Holy Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, but they are both God. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit, but they are both God. Are you confused yet? Good. You are on the right track. The infinite nature of God is confusing and incomprehensible to the infinite to the finite human mind. That is why it is that is why it was essential for Jesus to come down to earth in human form to show us the nature of God. And today that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about God the Son 
Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read to you a, a passage that you are familiar with if you've ever celebrated Christmas. It's from Luke chapter 1, verses 34 through and 35. Mary asked the angel, you know, the, the angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to have a son and he was going to call him Jesus. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Did you hear the Trinitarian language in that familiar passage from Christmas? There is the Holy Spirit, the Most High, which is God the Father, and then there is the baby, which is the Son of God. Three persons, one God. Now I want to read to you also from John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. So the Word, of, so the word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about Him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for He existed long before me. From, the abundance, from His abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. So no one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So... Um, at my house, we call it Muller's Farm because we have all these different kinds of animals. And one of, the animal, one of the kinds of animals that we've had for a number of years are chickens. Chickens aren't the brightest animals in the world, right? Call them bird brains for a reason. But um, we keep our chickens in a pen. It's a secure pen, got a chain link fence around it. We keep them inside the chain link pen because there are a lot of predators in the country up in Cahutta. Uh, they're foxes and coyotes and skunks and raccoons and hawks and owls, all kinds of animals that would just love to tear a chicken apart and have a nice chicken dinner. So we keep our chickens inside the pen where they're nice and safe and the predators can't get to them. But sometimes during the day, especially when it's a nice pretty day and we don't have anywhere to go or be, we'll open up the gate and let them out. And they can wander around in the yard and, and we keep a nice watchful eye on them to make sure that no predators will come and, and tear them apart. Then at the end of the day, we'll lead them all back into the uh, pen, close the gate up so they'll be safe. But every now and then, one of the chickens will decide it doesn't want to go back in the pen. So um, if you want to see something funny, you should see an old fat 46-year-old man trying to chase a chicken around the yard and catch it, so to put it back in the pen. All the while hoping that the other chickens that are already in there don't decide to come out, see what all the commotion is about. Um, it's not fun, it's not easy. And um, sometimes I'll find myself thinking, chicken, you're just so dumb, you're such a bird brain, don't you understand you can't stay out here because these predators are going to come tear you apart tonight if I let you stay out here. And sometimes I have thought, if I could just be a chicken, for just a few moments, I could get down on your level and I could 
balk at you or chirp at you and tell you, follow me, let's go back in the pen where you will be safe tonight because if you stay out here, you're going to get ripped to shreds by some predator that's going to come get you. But I can't do that, right? But the chicken is too dumb to be able to understand this two-legged monster that is chasing them around the yard trying to catch them and put them back in the pen. That's a good illustration of the predicament God has with us, only on a massively more impressive scale. Here is the God of the universe. And humans have very little understanding. And our understanding is hindered even more by sin. And trying to understand God and what He expects of us is like trying to uh, a person trying to talk to a chicken. Or it's kind of like us trying to rock climb a massive wall with our good hand tied behind our back. God knew that the only way to show us who He really is and what He needs and what, he, what we need to do is for Him to become one of us. And so, as John says, God became human and made His home among us. John 1, 14. Jesus was born as a man. He is also sometimes called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, as a human, Jesus knows everything about us and everything that we experience. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Jesus understands our weakness, for He has faced all the same testings that we do, yet He did not sin. And Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. That's the image. So we look at Jesus, and what do we see? We see that Jesus was perfect. He never, ever sinned. He always did what he was supposed to do. He always obeyed God's law. He never disobeyed the spirit of God's law. Now, sometimes people say, well, didn't he, did he or did he not work on the Sabbath day? Did he not heal somebody on the Sabbath day? And, you know, his detractors in the New Testament would say that same thing about him because he disobeyed the letter of the law. But he never disobeyed the spirit of the law. You know, you get into a situation sometimes where you follow the letter of God's law, but in order to do that, you have to disobey the spirit of his law. And it's much more important to do the right thing at the right time in the right way to follow the spirit of the law than it is to follow the letter of the law. And Jesus always did the right thing at the right time in the right way perfectly. He never sinned. And he was obedient to God the Father always. And we see in Jesus that he loved people perfectly. For instance, he loved not only his friends, but his enemies too. Because God is love. God loves everyone. Even with People don't live the way they ought to, even when they do despicable things. God still loves them. He may not like what they have done, but He still cares about them, and He still sacrifices 
on their behalf. That is love. God is love and Jesus is love. And Jesus loved even his enemies. Jesus loved and he, he cared for people that everyone else ignored. Jesus never ignored anyone because everyone is important to and loved by God. Jesus loved perfectly. In, in this, he, he searched for people when they were lost because nobody gets left behind by God. Jesus loved perfectly all the way to the depths that he would lay down his own life for other people. Even while we were still sinners. You see, Jesus died for us not because we deserved it, but specifically because we didn't deserve it, but we needed it. That's what love does. That's what the love of God does, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus was fully human, and he knows our troubles. Jesus Jesus knows what it was like to lose someone. You know, I think about people who, who have lost someone that they love and how much that grieves us. Do you know that Jesus also loved people and he lost people? People that Jesus loved died. In the scripture, we start out and we hear that Joseph and Mary were his parents. And that at some point, Joseph disappears from the record. And most people believe it's because Joseph, Jesus' father, died unexpectedly. Jesus probably lost his father. Someone that he loved died. He knows what that's like. If you've ever lost your father or your mother or someone like that, Jesus knows what that's like. You know, Jesus had the power to raise people, but many of the people in his life, uncles, aunts, cousins, John the Baptist, his cousin, was beheaded. Friends died. Jesus grieved. And he knew what that was like. And in the end, Jesus also experienced that one thing that we all know is coming in our life at some point. Jesus died. He was buried in a grave because Jesus was fully human, just like you, just like me. He knows what we go through. He knows everything about it. But somehow, mysteriously, Jesus is also fully God. He's fully man and he's fully God. Now, how in the world can someone be 100% God and also 100% human? I don't know. It's a mystery. How do you explain the incomprehensible nature of God? Here's how. Jesus was totally and completely human and also totally and completely God. Now I'm going to give you a moment to just let your brain stew on that for a moment. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says, Christ is the visible image of, an, of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. 
Jesus knows all about our pain and brokenness because he was fully human. But because Jesus is also fully God, he has the power to save us. Jesus was, if Jesus was only human, he would have died and he would have stayed in the grave. But because Jesus is also fully God, he was able to rise up out of the grave and live again. And do you know what that means? It means that Jesus has the power to make you rise up out of the grave too. Jesus has the power to give you new life. No matter how many mistakes you have made, no matter how bad those mistakes were, you, through Jesus, you have the ability to make a brand new, fresh start today. And if you mess up tomorrow or the next day, you can start again, again, because Jesus gives you that ability. If you trust in Christ, you have new life, and you could start again. Jesus has the power to give you new life. Jesus has the power to give you eternal life. Even if you die, you will live again if you trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus has the power to give you new life and eternal life. And Jesus has the power to set you free from sin. You don't have to sin anymore because of what Jesus has done for us. You see, a lot of times people, have you ever heard them say, say well, I didn't want to do that, but the devil made me do it. Here's the thing. Because of Jesus Christ, God the Son, the devil can't make you do anything. Jesus has given you the freedom not to sin. You have to make the choice. You have to follow Christ. You have to decide, I'm going to follow Him. Not what I want to do, and not what someone else wants me to do, but you have that freedom. God empowers you through Jesus Christ to, have, to make the right choice. But then it's up to us to make that choice. But He is, because of Jesus... He has, he has the power to set you free from sin. And Jesus has the power to live in you and through you. In other words, Jesus has the power to make a difference through you. Just as Jesus Christ has made a, a difference in your life, and if maybe if you decide to follow Jesus, it changes the course of your destiny. But now the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit lives inside you. And you begin to follow Him. And as you begin to speak with other people and share with them, guess what? Something you say, something you do, can have a tremendous eternal impact on them. You might say something or do something for someone else that might just change their eternal destiny because Jesus Christ is working through you. And you have changed the direction that they were going in and now they're following Christ too. Jesus has the power to give you new life, has the power to give you eternal life, has the power to free you from sin, and has the power to live in you and through you. Now, we all have a choice. Are we going to continue to do our own thing? Or are we going to submit to God the Son, Jesus Christ? My prayer is that all of us today 
would turn our hearts away from ourselves and away from the world and turn our hearts to God. The three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is so infinitely bigger than anything that we can ever imagine or understand. And yet, we see Him clearly in Jesus Christ. You know how much God loves you. You've seen it demonstrated by Christ as He lived as one of us, as He died on the cross for our sins. And we see the power that is available in Jesus Christ who rose from the grave. Won't you turn to Him today? Won't you let Christ be the Lord and Savior of your life? I pray that you will. Thank you.